0: Now introducing a poetry reading of Wolken by Hugo Ball.
1: Elomen menelen le filal dominal, wolminusculo bombala bunga, akyam glastula ferophim flinzi. Elo Pluplublash Ralala rallalayo. Saxasa saksasa flumen flobolala. Filobash Faliada foli di flumbash. Gluglamen gloglada gleroda glandridi. Thank you.
0: What? <laughs> what was that?
1: We'll find out.
0: The bear bear, the 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 bear, welcome to the hyperfixation. Uh this is the show as you know here in season 2 where my friends come on and tell me about things that excite them for 30 to 45 minutes or your money back guaranteed just kidding there's no money.
1: And also it's guaranteed that we're going to go over. <laughs>
0: <laughs> guaranteed. <laughs> it's free so I can't give you shit.
1: Hey um
0: e my name is Roma. I use the they and them pronouns, and I am joined today by JWX.
1: Hi, I'm Jay. Uh, I My pronouns are inscrutable by design. I don't have any pronouns that you can use with your human tongue, because it's an exercise in stupidity. That makes it sound like now I'm I anti-pronoun. I want to be clear that that is part of the bit.
0: I, I, I'm, I understood the the energy of it, but also I'm curious...
1: What the I hell just them. happened?
0: <laughs> I want to hear them pronounced.
1: <laughs> uh, Hundva. the the point of today's episode. Roma, have you ever heard of the <gasps> art movement of Dadaism?
0: Uh, you know, I feel like I heard about it once or twice, but I never got to find out what it was, so it just kind of got shelved away.
1: Gotcha. Uh, you ask Usually what we are first introduced to the topic by. Honestly, I didn't know this existed either until I took college level art courses. So unless you have an art degree, you're probably not going to be super well versed in the topic of today's episode. Because it is a very niche thing. This is an art movement that existed for like literally one decade and then vanished into the night.
0: Ooh, that sounds like big performance, energy- performance art energy to me, honestly.
1: We'll get into the performance side of things, but it is fascinating mm-hmm. because that is only one element of this uh, series of pieces that we'll be discussing. Uh, mm-hmm. In my notes, I put their anime, whack. Their video games, whack. The way that some people bring in their favorite book series, whack. Art movements, they're tight as fuck. Uh, this
0: feels like a little, th- I've been watching so much Drawfee lately, so I'm like, I feel like that's some Drawfee energy, just a pinch right there,
1: but I know it's probably way more than that. We'll get into it. I have opinions about that comparison, and you're going to see that it's favorable.
0: Ooh, okay. Yeah. My brain's already trying to like figure out, just from the very few clues I already have about what Dada is, um, but I also keep The my brain keeps switching tabs between like what I think Dada is and then who is Baba game. Baba is you or Baba is you, yeah. Those two keep like switching intermittently. (laughs) So I keep envisioning like this god tier, like Kawaii rabbit as Dada.
1: I mean, one could argue that he is a representation of the ethos of it because his form does not matter. We'll get into it. Um, but I want you to have a thought experiment for the first chunk of this episode. Imagine you're in Zurich, Germany in 1917. <laughs> ooh, ooh Yeah, a-, a very specific place to be, but there's a reason mm-hmm. for it. You're walking into a gallery, and everything seems normal on the outside, and then you see this. Mm-hmm. Can you describe for the audience who might not be in the Discord? Join the Discord if you'd like to see the visual aids that will be presented throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. Would you care to describe for the audience what exactly the image I just posted is?
0: I'm fairly certain that's a urinal.
1: It sure but is. Face,
0: facing the wrong way. It's white. It's porcelain. It's kind of dirty. And it's got r.mutt, I-Q-I-T, right? 1917. On it, but like, 1917, but it looks like it was written with, like, a really smudgy, like...
1: It was written, thick I believe, with permanent something. marker. I could be wrong. Oh, okay. Uh, that is Fountain by the artist Marcel Duchamp, under the mm-hmm. alias R. Mutt. This is a uh, ready-made sculpture, which is an example of artwork that you just find out and about in the world. You can think something is aesthetically pleasing... And say, that's a ready-made, and submit it to an art uh, exhibition, and that can be considered an example of Dadaism as a whole. Like, it's emblematic of the movement in general. It's not the first Mm -hmm. example of the art movement, but it is one of the ones that is most well-known. Okay. Think about it like this. We're recontextualizing and repositioning the urinal to make it something... Aesthetically pleasing in a way, not necessarily that it is beautiful uh, it's,
0: it yeah, I know what you mean yeah. like it's not it's not upright, like it's not in a urinal position, but it's like the the part that's on the wall is on the ground, but then it turns it into this neat little pot shape, like I want to put plants in it, like I feel like I need to be putting like greenery in there, I don't know,
1: yeah, one of the things about. Uh, This movement is that it's an exercise in spaghetti throwing. It's like. We're going to just see what happens when we do stuff that is unprecedented in the art world. And everybody had mixed reactions to this idea. Of course. Yeah. It's a unified title given to some of the first anti art art. Uh, Here that means that the anti art movement is. Something that doesn't account for taste or common standards that the art establishment has developed by the time of the early 20th century. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a phrase that Marcel Duchamp, the artist of fountain, did coin that it was retinal art. Retina being the part of your eye that makes your vision work. And art being art. (laughs) The idea is retinal art is the traditional Beautiful sculpture or painting. It is something that is... Widely perceived by the largest audience possible as... Art. TMCR.
0: TMCR.
1: Yeah. He... Really didn't like this idea that only... Beautiful things could be art. But... We'll get into Marcel Duchamp a little bit later. Because... Mm-hmm. The first works of Dada were actually written by a different guy completely. And yes I did say written... Because the poet that wrote the poem that I read at the intro is named Mm -hmm. Hugo Ball. He was a very fascinating gentleman because he was exercising his poetry in a unique way in that it didn't make sense. He would use certain techniques that were not invented by him necessarily, but they were brought to popularity by him. Here's a picture of Hugo Ball in a lobster suit.
0: My boy, that's my boy. Yes. That's okay, for the audience, uh, we've got a gentleman who's looks like he's wrapped up in just like large pieces of paper. To where, yes, you're getting like a general lobster shape, but he looks more like a little chef man made out of toilet paper tubes.
1: Yes, uh, apparently it was so difficult to get him on stage that he needed to uh, be physically moved on by, like, mm-hmm. his associates. He had to, like, have assistance to get on stage because it was so difficult to move in that costume.
0: It looks absolutely just, like, even the kneecaps are covered up, like, it's all just straight lines.
1: Mm-hmm. This, this is
0: insane. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: This picture was uh, taken when he was performing the poem "Carawane" at Club Voltaire. Club Voltaire was founded in 1916 by Hugo Ball. Uh, He sold a magazine out of it. Can you guess what the name of the magazine was?
0: Was it Dada?
1: Yes, it was.
0: Oh my god! I got it right. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I will get you a picture of the Dada magazine. There were several editions of it, but the first one is just Dada 1. It's a very bright red cover to a magazine with a picture of some machinery on it. I'm not 100% sure what that is.
0: Yeah, me neither, to be honest.
1: But it is uh, a magazine that is a catalog of art that would later be associated with this movement. Uh Oh. And who's suppose Juliet. Go ahead.
0: Oh, I'm reading the cover. It's like, who's Juliet?
1: Ah. Uh, that, oh, that's that might July, July in French.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah. I took French. I should have known that.
1: <laughs> Juliet from the Moonshot Network.
0: Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Creator of the Dada magazine. Of
1: Absolutely. course. Alive in 1917, famously.
0: <laughs> Time traveler.
1: Mm hmm. Uh, Supposedly, the name for this movement comes from a knife being stuck into a French-German dictionary by some of the artists of this movement, and then it pointed to the French word for hobby horse in the point where it stopped cutting into the paper. This is only one of many stories about how Dada got its name. There's also a popular theory that Dadaism was coined by somebody saying... That it was infantilizing, and so what better way to have their name found than by finding the words that come out of a baby's mouth, Dada, like Mm -hmm. Mama Dada. Yeah. So all of this is happening in Zurich, Germany, which is a, it's a bigger city, but it's not as big as Berlin from what I understand. Mm -hmm. there are several key players in this game that are very peculiar people because of course they would be if they have to produce art like this back to Marcel Duchamp the artist of Fountain I know that you were interested in his artwork from just that one piece but there Mm -hmm. is something more famous that he's actually done do you recognize this piece
0: uh, I do not, but this does have big AI-generated image energy ener- energy right now.
1: It's nude Descending a Staircase number two. It's a cubist work, early futurism-inspired, and it's very simple in its concept. It is a person walking down a staircase. That's it. But it's been homaged in SpongeBob, of all things, in a scene where uh, Squidward is walking down a staircase as a song plays in the background and he's, like, talking about art. It's a good example of his work before he began doing the Dada movement because it shows that he did understand what retinal art was about. Retinal art being, again, artwork that is aesthetically pleasing. He was very... He was very brought up in the art world and very aware of what made it tick, so that was why he was a key candidate for making this work. Yeah. Another piece that uh, Duchamp produced was this one, which, upon first glance, is just the Mona Lisa with a mustache on it. Yeah. This is actually where we get the trope of Defacing a picture by drawing a mustache and beard on it with like devil horns or whatever. Really? This is the earliest example I can find, at least.
0: It's you know, that's one of those many little things in my life that I'm like, you know, I didn't think I needed to know its origin story.
1: It's a mystery we didn't need to find out, but we found it out anyway.
0: Yeah, and now everyone at work is gonna find is gonna I'm just gonna tell everybody at work about this tomorrow.
1: Yay! I'm doing my part. (laughs) <laughs> the piece that i just posted is l-h-o-o-q it that's its title below the picture it's a photograph of the mona lisa with a mustache drawn on it pretty crudely and it is a artwork that is actually multi-layered so l-h-o-o-q is pronounced in the french way L-H-O-O-Q which translates to Elle a show o, cul, which translates in English to she has a hot ass, which can be <laughs> more uh, metaphorically translated in another way as she's horny. What? Duchamp was thinking in 5D chess.
0: This is some Twitter shit that you'd find in like the depths of like three likes stuff. I love this.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh my Lord. This is far from the most famous piece that Duchamp ever made because Fountain takes the cake and so does uh, New Descending a Staircase, but this is emblematic of the movement as a whole because it doesn't necessarily make sense on first glance, but we see that it is essentially dedicated to poking fun at the establishment of the art world. The whole mission statement of this piece is, wouldn't it be funny if we called the Mona Lisa out for probably being a little pervert?
0: You know, I, I, I didn't know I needed that in my life. Mm-hmm. Now, I this might be the thumbnail I use, but it's you drawing a mustache on me. Okay. Calling me a little pervert.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Alternatively, both of us... Uh, Alternatively, me in the lobster costume and you as Alicia Oku.
0: Absolutely. Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) Love it. Also, Marcel Duchamp had a drag persona.
0: Yes.
1: Yes. Her name was Rose Célevis, which is pronounced L's because uh, it has two R's at the beginning. But that is actually a pun because in French, it sounds like he's saying... Uh, Elz Salavi, which is translated to Lust, that is life.
0: Oh, that's clever as hell.
1: Yeah. Drag names and puns have been intertwined since the 20s, at least. It's very... As many uh, things change, they stay the same. Uh, Rose Salavi was his alias for many fictionalized stories and artworks that she made. And I'm using she pronouns there because it is attributed to a woman character. Yeah. The photograph that I sent you was of Rose in a hat and a dress photographed by another prominent Dadaist, Man Ray. Yeah. You remember how I brought up Spongebob earlier? Yeah. I don't know if it's a direct reference, but there is a character in Spongebob named Man Ray.
0: Hi to look this up right now.
1: He's the villain for uh, Barnacle Boy and Mermaid Man.
0: <gasps> yes, he is! Yeah. I... I. It, do, is Man Ray related to the Dada Man Ray?
1: I don't know. Only because it is such a stretch to say that a supervillain would be related. But... The key thing about Man Ray as a villain Spongebob, which is a tangent I didn't think we'd be going on, is (laughs) he is very two-dimensional because he only shows up in a handful of episodes. But with this Man Ray, there was like a whole rich backstory to him because he was a real person. Yeah. So one of Man Ray's biggest pieces that he worked on was Uh, Glass Tears of 1932. This is a later work of his that isn't really representative of the Dada movement, but he was around at the time that Dada was flourishing, so people kind of lump it in with the rest of it. Yeah. Glass Tears of 1932 does maintain the core values of Dada in that it's absurd, it's contextless on the surface, but this piece, this picture is... Hidden with meaning. There's a story that he was apparently trying to get revenge on a woman that was scorned him or he scorned one of those two. And so Mm -hmm. he put glass tears on a mannequin. This picture is of a mannequin, by the way. What? I know. It's so realistic.
0: That's nutty. Is that like a beauty school mannequin, you think? It it must
1: be because I don't see how they could get it so lifelike without... Doing that. Um,
0: And the eyes. The eyes are, I think, the part that's really getting me. It's like, those mm -hmm. look way too real.
1: They do. So there's this story behind this photograph that he's trying to get revenge on a woman. But on the surface, it is just what if tears were made out of glass? It's not very representative of its true meaning at the first glance. And that's part of what makes Dada so interesting to me. There's this concept that I was taught in my college art history courses called slow looking, which is that you have to take in the factors that go into an artwork in addition to the actual retinal representative visual Mm -hmm. aspects of it to fully understand its true intent. And I think Dada is very cool because of that, because with this movement, there is There is so much more under the surface with these pieces, even when they don't make sense. Yeah. So I want to get into a little bit of music history as well. Uh, Yes. There are three or four artists who have labeled themselves as Dadaist with their inspirations or ideology. Mm -hmm. Frank Zappa. David Bowie. Kurt Cobain. Of all people. Of course. And the most buck wild of them all, Wumba.
0: I don't know who that is.
1: You definitely have heard tub thumping.
0: Tub thumping?
1: I get knocked down. (gasps) Yeah. And I
0: get up again. Yes, I know. Okay. Yes. All right, I'm on
1: track. So these people have all cited the Dadaists as inspirations, even if they weren't necessarily part of the movement itself. But David Bowie and Kurt Cobain are relevant to this discussion, not because of the lack of good taste or sense in their work, but more of they had the cut-up method of poetry writing that Hugo Ball pioneered to write their music in some cases. I forget what song that Kurt Cobain wrote, but it it was more common in Bowie's work. Okay. Yeah. So... Roma, do you know that art is political?
0: Oh, of course it is.
1: I didn't know that until it. just now. I I, I, entered a fugue state when I was writing my notes, and <laughs> no, oh my God. I'm joking. All art is political. If you say otherwise, you are being willfully ignorant. So there's a historical precedent for why Marcel Duchamp and Hugo Ball and all these Dadaist artists were behaving the way they were in response to the retinal art of their current contemporaries. Yeah. And that is World War I.
0: You know, that tracks. I was wondering when war was about to enter the picture.
1: Yes. Uh, World War I famously took place in the early 20s and late teens of the 20th century. And the rise of globalized news and the more advanced warfare that we were seeing meant that a lot of people were becoming concerned about it. And as a result, Dada was born. It is incredibly left-leaning and anti-establishment because, again, it is progressive and radical thinking in its ideas. It's anti-war. It's anti-establishment. It's anti-art. It's cool-looking, but it ultimately doesn't say anything important because they were, like, looking at the world... Around them and saying, oh, everything sucks right now. Let's do whatever the hell we want. Because if the nonsense of war is going on on such a grand scale, why would we play along and make sense in the world that we know the art world? My brain. If it's too much, I can try phrasing it in a different way.
0: You know, it hit me, just because my, 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 like I, I mentioned it earlier off recording, it's just like my brain's not super great at remembering auditory, which is wild, because mm. I have a podcast, but um, <laughs> yeah, can, can you hit me with it one more time?
1: There is a precedent for nonsense in the way that war can be nonsensical to the people around them.
0: Yeah, that tracks. Yes. Okay.
1: So... Why not make nonsense art?
0: This is all bullshit anyway, so I'm just going to draw whatever bullshit I want.
1: Exactly. And we'll get into why it's relevant even today a little bit later. Okay. Uh, The artists in the movement were also very acutely aware of their political leanings because they were very tied to political organizations and affiliations. I don't have any citations for that, but dude, just trust me. I'm trusting. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, and then the Dada movement actually kind of stagnates and stays pretty much where it is in the art world as like an underground weird thing that people are doing for a couple decades.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then World War Two happens. Hooray. Uh... Yeah. Um, do you know much about the World War Two art history period?
0: I, you know, it's funny enough. My short side tangent in response to this is I had a partner who was super into World War II history, but not in the sense of like, oh, yes, World War II was lit, but in, uh, oh, you know, like, I I want to know, I want to understand more why this megalovania got to the point that it did. Did you just say megalovania? And, or or me- megalomania. meg <laughs>
1: megalomania. <laughs> Fuck.
0: <laughs> the brain worms. Yeah. Um, so I, funny enough. Living with this person, I have a great deal of passive World War II knowledge, but I never thought I would be asked about the art that came out of that period. And I'm here for it. So, no, I don't know very much at all, except for like propaganda art.
1: Gotcha. There is a. There's this idea that uh, degenerate art is what was being made by the Dadaists. That is a Nazi label. I am not using that for myself. They. Uh, used that to describe a lot of modern and primitivist art. It's a messy topic because the Nazis are inherently Mm. awful and horrible and need to be Mm
0: -hmm.
1: stamped out wherever they may come up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what they saw with the Dadaists was people who were not willing to take orders or follow in line with what was established. And fascism relies on tradition. Mm-hmm. So they saw what was already kind of a dying movement because it was not it was stagnating and it wasn't really growing anymore, and they kind of, like, said the Dadaists were not to be trusted or to be admired.
0: Yeah, look, look down upon them, mm-hmm. which is, honestly, I'm looking up to them right now because this shit sounds super cool.
1: It's very cool. It only lasted for a couple decades at its peak, but we do see uh, neo-Dadaism in a little bit. The post-war movements that come out of World War II are like Fluxus and Pop Art and the Bauhaus, just to name like a few. But they're all influenced by the way that Dada expressed themselves because it's all about modern interpretations of what art is and what it can be.
0: I, I'm definitely, I don't know much about the current, like, status of Dada, just a little, from the little bit you've spoken about, but I definitely feel a lot of that energy still in the art community today, at least. The I'm going behind. to talk
1: about it, trust me. Okay, okay, cool, yeah. cool. We get to the 50s and 60s, and there is a formal Neo-Dada movement, like, labeled and everything. Ooh. Uh, it came into existence and then kind of just vanished into the night after, like, even shorter time than Dada was when it first established in the 1910s and 1920s. But a couple notable names that are uh, attached to the movement of Neo-Dada are John Cage, who you might recognize from his wonderful work 433. I'll play you okay. a bit now. Okay. Get it?
0: I didn't hear any of it.
1: Yes, it was a piano piece that was uh, specifically supposed to be just the room noise.
0: That's, I love that. (laughs) Mm quote. He
1: he wrote the entire thing and it's just rests. You literally sit at the piano for four minutes and 33 seconds. And just vibe.
0: Okay, you know, I could play that. That would be my jam.
1: Exactly. I'd Uh, kill it. Another artist with the neo dada movement was Yoko Ono. You know, the Beatle destroyer. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into the politics of Yoko Ono and the Beatles because that is not something that I've researched extensively enough to make an informed opinion.
0: I Yeah, same. I know super little about it from one movie in high school, and that was a while ago. Mm-hmm.
1: But before she joined up with John Lennon, she was a performance artist and had a very influential performance called Cut Piece where she would cut pieces of her clothing off on stage and then give it hmm. out to the audience.
0: Is there, like, a video footage of, of this? Yes. Okay.
1: I think it's even on just YouTube. Let me see okay. if it is.
0: Like, not in, like, and obviously in a very, like... Factual, knowledgeable art way. Like, would she get completely nude, cutting her clothes off, or was this like just like down her underwear or something? Because just we're con- still so considering like the times, but also it's it's Babas or Dada. So yeah,
1: I don't see a video of it. I've seen the video in the past. It's on Vimeo. Okay. Uh, and it looks like there is a YouTube mirror of it. Uh, let me just scrub through it really quick.
0: Because like I know there's a a few instances of like art performances where people would just like stand out naked or whatever like yes. that one lady who with with the uh like the markers and the roses and stuff
1: Yes I don't remember her name but we discussed her in yeah. the class that I learned about cut piece because it was yeah. a similar concept Uh Yoko Ono was specifically more uh revolutionary because she did it first I'm not saying that yeah. the art of The person who did the Roses and Markers piece was less important, but it was it was a more elevated version of what had been done before. Uh, Cut piece was not uh, going to see her nude, I don't think, because the video that I scrubbed through was not uh, showing any nudity, but that's probably because of YouTube.
0: Yeah, I think I found. I'm I'm still reading it, I believe. It's Marina Abramovic.
1: Yes. Abramovic. Abramovic. Yeah. Yes. I remember the name. It's all coming back to me now. She also has a piece called The Artist is Present or The Artist is Here. I don't remember the exact phrasing, but she just sits in a chair. And for five minutes, you sit next to her and look into her eyes. Performance art is a hell of a drug.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, another artist that was associated with Neo Dada was Namjoon Pike he's widely considered as the creator of video art in the form that we know it where you use video elements to generate an art piece except not in the way that we think of it today where like video essays and hashtag content are art content. Which they are but it's it's a different more more artistic expression in a raw level than it is trying to make a point which is the point of dada is there is no point
0: i love the lack of point
1: mm-hmm. it's something that makes it truly unique because even with surrealism or abstract art there is a point there is a subject there is something that is to be looked at with meaning dada is neglects that entirely which is what makes it so special. I agree. Uh we also see postmodern art and pop art being influenced by the Dada movement. Uh for example, the glass tears that I posted earlier was not directly influential upon Roy Lichtenstein who did the crying woman pop art that I'm sure you've seen before where it's like Bende Dots, and she's blonde, and she's in a car, and she's crying, and there's word bubbles and stuff.
0: That tracks. I feel like I remember this.
1: Yes. It is not directly influential, but there is a parallel to be drawn there in that the pop art movement was experimenting with what the point of art was. So, the Dada movement did become dead by the early 30s, and more retinal art did become the standard again but something that has happened in the last decade or two has seen Dada make a resurgence. Uh, yeah? You know about memes?
0: I love memes!
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, the idea of memes as we modern understand them is different from the way that they were first coined by the guy who invented the word meme. Uh, initially it was supposed to mean like a unit of culture, something that is indelibly just a piece of society as we understand relating to another person or sharing an idea. Memes now are funny cat pictures on the internet.
0: My silly six, seven second TikToks so of people doing weird shit.
1: Exactly. Ah. Uh, let me also send, yes, I sent two memes in the Uh, chat, just in case you forgot what memes look like, because we've been talking about serious art for so long. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Let's get silly with
1: it. Yeah, let's get silly with it. Uh, do you remember That Boy?
0: (gasps) Oh, shit! What up? It's That Boy!
1: Yes. Uh, this is a good example of the Neo... Well, not Neo Dada, because that was in the 50s, but the modern Dada movement being alive and well, because... Roma, tell me what dot da- tell me what dada means. Tell me what that boy means. I don't think you can.
0: Uh I I I can try.
1: Okay, let's hear it.
0: Dada is the the fun pointless art and it has no meaning. Mm-hmm. But when that when it's that boy, he's coming and we got to say, "Oh shit. What up?"
1: Yes. <laughs> I I agree with that.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
1: There's also a meme best. of Markiplier with uh, the Farquad head from Shrek on a suited body that's deep fried and says E on the bottom. E. And the idea of this meme is that it doesn't make sense. It is literally just the letter E with Markiplier's face on it.
0: Well, it's a variety of things that we could recognize, but not in the same area at once.
1: Exactly, just like a ready-made. Yeah, And there were more ready-mades than just fountain, because of course there were. It's more of a... Fountain was emblematic of the ready-made concept. There was, like, yeah. bicycle wheel, and there was this, stool that was inverted. Iron.
0: There's an iron with tacks on it.
1: Yes. There's, I looked up Dada Art. I'm glad you are. Also, no... Uh, Lack of political machinations with the modern mimetic movement. I call it the memetic movement because Dada is already established as something that existed in the 20s. Uh, but there is more political inclination than you might think with these pictures. Not necessarily the examples that I have sent to you. But uh, it's time to get a little bit sad. <laughs> the alt-right oh. movement is... Uh, Very big on memes because they have co-opted uh memes like Pepe the Frog. They've co-opted the OK Hand. Different little symbols of culture that are mm-hmm. now, unfortunately, very tied to their culture. Yeah. As much as I hate to say it, they do have a culture. Yeah. And... Pepe the Frog, for example, doesn't have really, like, a meaning outside of, he's this quirky comic character that we enjoyed on 4chan, but because of the political leanings of the people that use Pepe reaction images, now there is a link politically between this character and this ideology. Yeah. Which, there is the idea that this doesn't have a meaning inherently, but it is still political, just like original dada works. they were saying, "Fuck the establishment, we can do what we want. alt writers are trying to make a new establishment saying we do what we want with their own works, and it kind of sucks.
0: <laughs> it blows. Uh,
1: yes, what were you going to say?
0: Oh, um, I was gonna say like even it's it's interesting to hear uh just like other times I've mentioned this, but uh, to explain in words a particular emotion of like which, like, oh, yes, I recognize these certain memes that a certain group uses them. Like, for example, a lot of uh, older women or, you know, matron type characters will use uh, Tweety Bird or the minions in their memes a lot of the time. Yes. And so I've just associated the minions with, like, alt-right moms or whatever, and Pepe the Frog, I just never really went towards because it just felt weird. Like, I don't know, mm-hmm. like, this, this... Uh, because the they're using who... it for
1: nefarious purposes.
0: Yeah, it's like this, I haven't seen this used in any good context and I don't really want to be related to that.
1: Exactly. It's like the uh, the meme of the woman in the sunflower dress with the blonde hair representing, like, trad wife circles, which, ugh, but What? You know what I'm talking about. The Wojak faces with the... Do you kn- I don't, I don't know what this is. You have absolutely seen this woman.
0: Oh, I got to, it's gonna be hard looking up sunflower. Wait, look up sunflower. I'm just, dress I'm just meme.
1: going straight for it. Uh, have you seen this woman?
0: Ah, uh, yes.
1: Yes. I uh, pictured
0: a real person, not a meme. No, person. no,
1: no. <laughs> By so, there's a term called wojacking, which is like using that template of the face to build a character off of.
0: Yeah, I've seen the goth one. Yes. Yeah.
1: So this is supposed to represent a traditional woman who is more modest and more feminine as as God would want or whatever. The point is, this is used by alt writers to signal that somebody is representative of traditional values. Mm. So we're seeing Dadaism as a modern movement but we're seeing it in the opposite direction.
0: Oh. They've they've taken our thing. Why do they have to take our thing?
1: Because we can't have nice things.
0: We can't have nice things.
1: (laughs) They also took our climate from us, but that's besides the point. Uh, There are many reasons why the modern Dada works that are inspired by the classical Dada works continue to flourish, but we don't have time for all that because we could be here all day. But this is something that I find fascinating because the world is making less and less sense in both reality and the internet. It's, Mm -hmm. as I mentioned before, there's the climate crisis that we have to worry about. There's political machinations that are going on behind the scenes that are very concerning. Conspiracy theories are on the rise. The world is going to hell in a handbasket in some people's eyes. Mm -hmm. And we can find solace in knowing that we're not the first people that felt this way. Do you know the movie The Network?
0: Uh, No, I do not. But I am interested in hearing
1: about it. It's not a Dada example, but it is. There's this famous scene where the lead character says, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And he gets a bunch of people to to lean out their windows into the street and scream. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And I think that this is emblematic of the Dada movement as a whole. Both modern and in its traditional setting because it is all about saying fuck the establishment. We do what we want. Mm -hmm. Even if it's a different group of people saying it this time than it was the first time. Yeah. Uh, And I want to end on a quote uh, by Lady Gaga of all people.
0: Do you like me some Lady Gaga? Uh,
1: She says in the hit album Art Pop, on the song Art Pop, our Art Pop could mean anything. And I think that's beautiful because Dadaism can mean anything you want it to because there is no meaning inherently. Yeah, that's all I have prepared. Is there anything you'd like to ask?
0: Yes. I will like to first comment that uh, that Lady Gaga quote's really good and I was basking in that for a couple of seconds of... Mm -hmm. "Hmm." Uh, in taking a I guess a nice little lesson here in our year twenty twenty two of uh yes we can give meaning to things and but also we can just let it inherently mean nothing, which is kind of relieving in terms of like my ever building stress. Mm-hmm. But uh as I have my, my weird end thoughts, uh what what stands out to you the most? Personally, in the sense that this thing has inherent high meaning value to you from the Dada movement, but inherently means nothing. So
1: Nicholas? I yeah. said that this was my favorite art movement. If I did not, I'm saying it now. Uh-huh. I think that it's my favorite because it is the first example of art moving into a modern modernizing world. It's not necessarily. That the meaninglessness of it is so impactful on me. Or that even I find the works beautiful. I do find some of them beautiful. It's not necessarily either of those factors. It is that as times change, so does humanity. And we can grow and establish new precedents for how we interact with the world around us and the people around us. And I find it beautiful to experience the world in new ways and to interpret things in different ways than we have in the past. It's part of the reason why I'm interested in aliens and the supernatural and things we can't prove because there's endless iterations and I guess you could say theories that we could have about it. It's Mm -hmm. all about the way that we are, I guess... Thinking. And I know that sounds fake deep, but (laughs) it it is true in a way that there's stuff that we don't know about the world around us. It's, you know how we don't really, you can't read minds. Well, I don't know if you can't read minds, but I sure can't.
0: Yeah, no, I can I can guess. I can guess all day, every day.
1: <laughs> exactly. And that's what makes it so special because we're just guessing at what it means when there's no established meaning on the surface, but we can think about what it could mean potentially.
0: I am having a, a similar emotion to Dada as I have a, with another, I guess you could say relating movement. In uh, that period of time in the 1910s and 20s, uh, the surrealism movement, or surrealism, you know, art birth, Mm -hmm. Uh, I was very fortunate enough to go with a mutual friend of ours, Jakey. Uh, Jakey came and visited us down here in Florida for uh, my roommate's wedding, and we got to go to the Dali Museum. Uh, Oh, I want to go
1: so bad.
0: (laughs) Oh, the new building is so cool. I've I've lived in Florida all my life, and- been fortunate to live about, like, within 15 minutes of the Dali Museum my entire life. But there's this one collection here in St. Pete. Uh, it's, like, one of the larger collections, especially with this like, epic pieces. Uh, and they recently moved out of the building, which is now part of my university. <laughs> and they've created this giant bubble membrane building. I don't even remember. It was. Oh, it's called the Enigma, I want to say. That sounds so like cool. That. It's Yeah, so it's like a concrete box, but it's got this glass, like triangle hurricane glass bubble bursting from it, and there's a big spiral staircase in the middle. La la. Um, oh, it's so cool. But uh, I've had the chance to explore that place uh, several times in my life. And only recently did I start actually like looking at it, because my kid brain was like, ah, this is weird shit, just like my dreams. No biggie. Never thought anything of it. And until this past, like what, like a month or two ago? Um, I actually read what the meanings were in some of these things. And can I tell you how wild it is to see these people taking the surrealism art so seriously, which is totally fine. They can, because it is a very cool, very serious thing to look at. Mm -hmm. But also, whenever I see Dolly put something in there about bread, I'm like, I know that's about (laughs) his dick. I know that's (laughs) about his dick.
1: (laughs) He's a man, of course it is.
0: Yeah, and and it's also neat that like, you know, certain items like the bread was like, uh, I'm pretty sure it meant like him being horny or like young, like dick related mm-hmm. things, but later on it like changes meaning. And uh, what was the other thing? It was bread, the ants meaning death. So it's like, there's just the whole place is just kind of buck wild to be in or knowing that some of his models was like the pool boy. Yes. I don't know. It's just kind of neat to now as an adult be like, oh, this isn't just some like unattainable, like uh, intense figure in history who was God's favorite, I guess. Mm-hmm. But no, this was just a dude who just happened to be really good at art and just wanted to paint weird shit about how he felt. And that's kind of
1: cool. Yeah. And, and it
0: didn't have to make sense.
1: <laughs> exactly. But I do want to distinguish Dadaism versus Surrealism because Surrealism takes metaphors that are stretches and makes them make sense in a way because there is like that meaning behind it that you will then translate to some other represented representation of the subject, like the bread and his penis. they are two different things that are completely unrelated except in his brain. And that is why he draws them the way he does. Dadaism doesn't do that. It is more unfiltered, I guess you could say. It is just a direct representation of the thought as opposed to a metaphor for the thought. Yes. Yes.
0: I might be wrong about the bread.
1: Hey, we're playing fast and loose here.
0: A a lot of people are saying it's political. It's about him as an artist. It's about his career. It's a Christian thing. And I'm like, I feel like I distinctly reading somewhere that it's just talking about his dick. I don't know.
1: Hey, either way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I do like these, like, cousins of really fun and weird art, like, existing around each other and potentially influencing each other a little bit at the same time.
1: Yeah, surrealism did come out of Dada as a sister movement, but... I am also intrigued by the Bauhaus, which we don't have time to get into them because they're a whole thing to themselves. But they are Mm -hmm. similarly representative of nothing while still being attempts at making art beautiful on principle of what you present in the space. Mm -hmm. It's more abstract, but that is besides the point. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We'll, Well, we'll discuss it more in the discord.
1: Of course. If you want to join the Discord, you can find the link in the show notes.
0: Show notes, Twitter, email me, te- uh, d- 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 message me and I'll get that sh- that l- that shiny little link to you. Woo. But phew, I've got my nice little little glow, my after hyperfixation glow of like, ah yes, I got my fix. I feel good. I've learned something new today mm-hmm. and it is kind of neat. It's like a curtain was pulled up. Like yes, I have I, this thing that has been existing around me and in my daily life through memes and other forms of art, et cetera, has deep history. Of course, means a whole lot of nothing at the same time.
1: <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Cheers, I'll drink to that, bro.
0: If I had more drink, I'd drink it. Judas. <laughs> um. <laughs> So, uh, is there anything else that you'd like to say before we begin the end of the show?
1: I think I'm good. The
0: end the end. All right. Well, where can people find you on the internet?
1: So, I do want to start out by saying that I am working on a secret project that I can't really discuss right now because Ooh. it will be uh, either pitched to the Moonshot Network or we just do it on our own. But there is a podcast that I am working on. That is going to be actually starring me and Jakey. Jakey! But if it doesn't come out, don't worry about this. I've already made the socials and everything, but I haven't posted anything yet because there is no guarantee that we'll actually follow through on it. But eh, hey, we'll see. If, we'll see. Uh, but you can find me for sure on Twitter and Tumblr at JWXart. Uh, you can find me on Art Fight at JWX next year is going to be great i can feel it Mm -hmm. uh that covers me
0: heck yeah um and you can find me on the internet at twitter.com forward slash i appreciate your butt um i believe you can also find me like that on tumblr and instagram uh probably just spelled a little different but that's okay you'll find it and um you can find this podcast as a whole at the hyperfix pod on the twitter.com and Instagram. Um, and there you can find the link to our Discord. And uh you can also find us on the Moonshot Discord where you'll see a bunch of other cool podcasts.
1: I'm really loving Argonauts and Dead Teen House Party right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, you know, I've been loving what I see from Dead Teen House Party, but I haven't had the chance to listen to it yet.
1: It's, it's so good. Every episode is two hours, so I understand why you're not listening to it. But it is so funny.
0: If I had a job where people didn't talk to me like every t- ten minutes, I would most definitely get through podcasts. But unfortunately, I answer phones.
1: <laughs> Hooray!
0: Ooh. Um, <laughs> thank you again to the Moonshot Network for giving me another season. I'm doing the little uwu fingers. Woo! I didn't. It was, it's just kind of nutty to be here. Um, just like thinking like four months ago five months ago i was like scrambling to get my first four episodes in for my pitch and then here i am (laughs) you love Um, to see it i love to see it and thank you to Skate. that is o-f-u-s-k-a-t-e for my intro and outro music um you can find them on soundcloud twitter and instagram and if you need intro and outro music for your podcast uh they're the people because all the all the options they gave me were fire. And I was kind of upset that I didn't need five different intros. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe that's it. I, I got me. We got you. We got the podcast. We got Moonshot. Slay. Slay. We did it. Thank you. Look at art. Look at the whole thing. It may mean something. It might. Be safe. Don't die. Drink your water. And ba-doop. Boop. Thank you.